welcome to the first episode of the Harry Potter Lexicon podcast. My name is Steve Vanderark. I'm the editor and the creator of the Harry Potter Lexicon website. And I'm also the author of a couple of books about uh, Harry Potter, one of which is a companion book to the website, also called The Lexicon, and another one which is a travel memoir called In Search of Harry Potter. And we'll talk about both of those in a little bit. But before I do that, I wanted to give a little bit of a shout-out to some of the people who helped with the books and also helped with the website, particularly to Lisa Bunker and John Kearns and Belinda Hobbs, who uh, were wonderful um, editors and writers for the website for many years, and also to Penny Linsenmeyer, Michelle Worley, Clint Hagen, Paula Hall, all of them were editors and assistants that worked on the lexicon. Um, also want to shout out to Kip Carter and Denise Proctor, who uh, run the Harry Potter Lexicon forums. And all of these people made a, a huge impact on the website, and I've just really appreciated working with them over the years. Um, I also want to say thank you to Harry and the Potters. Uh, the music that you heard in the, when the um, episode began, it comes from them. They gave me permission to use some of their music for the tag music for the show, which I think is, is great, and I really appreciate that. That particular piece is called uh, Save Ginny Weasley from Dean Thomas, and it's from their Power of Love, of Love CD. Uh, excellent song. I obviously only used a small part of it, but uh, I've really enjoyed listening to their stuff. I was uh, actually in Tucson uh, last weekend, and they did a concert there, and I didn't get a chance to actually hear them because I was part of uh, other activities that were going on um, at that time, but I did pick up a couple of CDs, and I've just really been enjoying that. Now, about this podcast itself, um, I've kind of been... Uh, the, the impetus for this podcast came... I think from some of the comments I've been getting uh, from people who've heard me speak at conventions, have heard me uh, talk at libraries and things, and I'm often asked, uh, are, are the talks that you give, are those available online somewhere? Are they videotaped? Are they on YouTube or anything like that? And I kept thinking about that, and I thought, well, they never have been recorded, I don't think. I've never really given my permission for that anyway. And so as far as I know, they're not available anywhere. But it would be really interesting uh, and a lot of fun to be able to kind of share some of those things with a little bit larger audience than just those who happen to be able to make it to the conventions or uh, get to the libraries when I speak and things like that. So that was one of the things. And the other, quite honestly, is I was uh, I opened up the, the Lexicon book, which is the one that I wrote, and I opened it up and I happened to look at the letter A. Um, I have started reading the Harry Potter books again. I hadn't read them for, oh, close to a year, which is uh, was kind of unusual for me. And um, I started reading uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone right from the beginning. And uh, we'll talk about that, as a matter of fact, in a few minutes. Uh, but I also grabbed the Lexicon book, and I opened it up to A. And when I got to A, the very first entry caught my eye. And the reason it did, the first entry is Abbott, by the way. And the reason that that caught my eye was because it brought with it all these memories of a trip that I took. Uh, part of the the trip, it actually was written up in more detail in the in the book that I wrote called In Search of Harry Potter. But um, I've spoken about this uh, uh, in, at conventions and things. And uh, this trip was to a little town in North Devon, which um, is kind of a dead ringer for Godric's Hollow. And because I read that that very first name there, Abbott, and it brought back all those memories, and I thought, oh, it would be really really fun to be able to just take a look at that and just tell that story a little bit. Explain what happened and why that name uh, just brings back those memories of that trip for me. 
So those things kind of came together, and uh, that I guess that's why I decided to do this podcast. I used to do a podcast with the folks over at Pottercast, which was called Canon Conundrums. It was a part of their podcast, which was so much fun. We had such a great time doing that. And that was before Book 7 came out, and we would analyze um, the mysteries of the books, which, of course, is how this all started. I mean, we started as adult fans of Harry Potter back in 1998 and 1999, picking out the mysteries in the books, trying to figure out uh, what was going to be happening. I think what really sparked that was when we hit book three, those of us that were reading them as they came out. And uh, books one and two were interesting and and, and uh, everything, but it wasn't until book three when we read that and suddenly started to realize that, uh, as I think it's been put, she's trickier than we thought. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we were taking for granted uh, really <laughs> turned out to be not what we expected, and things weren't as they as they seemed. I think the the key moment, of course, is when the the rat turned into a wizard, and all of a sudden we all went, "Oh!" Uh, <laughs> and I think for a lot of people that was a a defining moment in the reading of the Harry Potter series. Um, and so, uh, as a result, um, I started reading the books again, and I started with one, and I. Uh, um, started with the with the very first uh, part of the lexicon book as well and i opened up uh the the book to abbott which is the very first name that's in there and uh this podcast is not going to be like canon conundrums we're not going to be able to be delving into unsolved mysteries because rolling did such a fantastic job of solving all those mysteries, tying up all those loose ends with Book 7. I remember just before Book 7 came out, we had kind of a little list going on the Lexicon website of uh, how many uh, loose ends she would have to tie up in Book 7. And we we almost put it up there, not as a joke, but as in just to remind ourselves that there's no way she's going to be able to take care of every little one of these questions that we have. I mean, and, and then we read the book and discovered that she she really did. I mean, even things like why the Bloody Baron has blood all over him, which of course is first brought up in the first book. All of these things got tied up and, and, and put together in book seven. And so um, in Canon Conundrums, we really looked at a lot of these mysteries and delved into them, tried to answer these really deep questions. And a lot of those questions are gone now. We we already know the answers to them. But it's interesting. A lot of people, of course, after Book 7 came out, were saying, well, that's the end of Harry Potter fandom. Uh, people don't have any more mysteries. All of the reason, as I was saying, that we all got into this in the first place is gone. What reason would we have to be, to be uh, having these big, deep discussions when we've got all the answers? We already know everything. Um... And those of us working on the lexicon, it was just a matter of, well, we get the last few details put in and we're done. There's there's nothing new. There's no new canon. Um, and, and so I think for a lot of people, uh, book seven marked kind of the end of things. And it's interesting because one of the reasons I was planning, I actually started recording this podcast a few days ago, having no idea that what was going to happen right in the middle of when I was planning and doing this was this new website that J.K. Rowling put out called Pottermore. And all of a sudden, fandom has exploded. And what fun it is to, to, to discover once again how much fun and excitement there can be in not knowing, in having this mystery of, of not being sure what was coming, and, and knowing that there was going to be, it's not another book, but it's something exciting. 
And of course, now over the last couple of days, uh, a lot of discussions going on. I've been reading things online. I listen to the Harry Potter uh, radio broadcast thing that they do. And uh, just a lot of people talking about what this Pottermore is going to be. And I have some ideas. I'm not one of the people who, who had any preview of it, but all I can say is it's just so exciting. It's exciting for Harry Potter fandom to be um, kind of back up and thrilled and excited and talking and wondering and guessing. It's exciting for uh, Rowling to, to, to be giving us more, uh, which I'm assuming we're going to be finding out new things, more things, whether it's a more kind of a social thing or a or a game or a or an encyclopedia or whatever it is. I just I figure with J.K. Rowling directly involved, we're going to be learning new things and finding out more about uh, about the Harry Potter universe, which is just so exciting. I can't wait for Thursday because I'm actually uh, it's just a few days before she's announced that she's well she says she's going to be making an announcement. So as a result, uh, this podcast, even though I'm not going to talk a lot about Pottermore simply because I don't have a lot to talk about, I think the important thing to look at is just how cool it is for all of us Harry Potter fans to kind of find that fire again, to get excited again, to be anticipating and wondering. And, and uh, you know, we're not going to be able to have the, <laughs> the midnight book parties, I'm afraid, but uh, I don't know about everybody else, but uh, I'm going to be watching that computer pretty closely right about then. Can't wait to find out what it is she's going to reveal. And I think that's really the the most exciting thing about the whole the whole thing about Pottermore is not even what it is so much as what it's meant for Harry Potter fans, what it's meant for us who used to feel that way, and how great it is to f- kind of feel that way again. Um, so anyway, here it is, the Harry Potter Lexicon podcast, and we are looking at an opportunity to just sort of meander around through the wonderful world of Harry Potter, uh, talk about the odds and ends, the details, the kinds of things which make the Lexicon so much fun and which made researching the book so much fun. Um, and again, I'm going to start with Abbott. And uh, Abbott, in case for anybody who doesn't immediately recognize it, it's, uh, and I'm reading from the book here, the family name on a headstone in the graveyard in Godric's Hollow, probably ancestors of, of Hannah, since wizarding families tended to live close together in certain villages after the Statute of Secrecy went into effect in 1692. And that's, of course, from Deathly Hallows, Chapter 16. Now, the reason that that brought memories to me of my trip is because, well, obviously, if this town that I visited was a dead ringer for Godric's Hollow, it must have had a graveyard, and it did. But i got to give you a little background of how I found this. And I, I, to be fair, I didn't find it. John Kearns did. Um, John and I were both talking about what could be, what, what, what attributes would Godric's Hollow have to have? And this is if... Uh, uh, as we as we were reading uh, book seven, what what were the things that we that we could identify? Things like a war memorial uh, in the center of town, things like that. What were the the key things that would identify Godric's Hollow? And kind of trace the story. And you know, when Harry and Hermione walk into the town, they pass a pub, for example, and then they get to the church. So uh, we can kind of create a little sort of a map to give us an idea of where things would have to be. And of course, none of that is is precise, but, you know, that's just what people like us do, try to work these things out. And so um, John had spent a lot of time on that. He, at the time, was working on the uh, gazetteer part of the lexicon, which is all the locations and, and settings and things like this in the books. And so he took it upon himself to really do an intensive 
bit of work on that and he ended up going on Google Earth actually and wandering around virtually through North Devon trying to kind of find a place which might which might fit the bill and uh, he came up with uh, with an answer and I believe I think I was at prophecy at the time and I got a phone call from him and he said I think I found Godric's Hollow and uh, the town that he found is a little town called Shebir which is in North Devon and so when I was researching the book in search of Harry Potter one of the things I had to do, of course, was travel to Shebir and try to find out whether this little town was actually, could actually be Godric's Hollow. Uh, or, you know, obviously there is no real such thing. We've, we've all come to terms with that by now, I know. But um, does, does this town have the attributes which we could say Godric's Hollow is going to look kind of like this town? And, uh, I mean, this is a town, and this is, before, before that, I'd actually been to the, to the borough, so I was getting a little bit used to the fact that when you drive in that part of Britain, you're driving in the hedgerows, and there's uh, these tall uh, hedges on each side. You can't see where you're going. You don't see, usually, anyway, wide sweeps of countryside. All you see is... Um, uh, all you see is the, is the vegetation by the side of the road. And... Uh, so driving along, hoping to find this place, following signs, which, and I think I put this in the book too, it seemed like the mile, so many miles to Shebir, like the miles never got less. We just kept having one or two miles to go and it took forever to get there. We finally got to this town and drove in. It was very unexpected. All of a sudden, round a corner, boom, there we were. And I remember driving into this, um, this square, and all the buildings around were this white, what they call cob, it's sort of vaguely like um, adobe, uh, but it's white and very, very old. And uh, so this, I, you know, I was afraid, quite honestly, that the town was going to be very modern. Uh, these kinds of buildings would have been gone and, and uh, more modern buildings. But no, this was amazing. It was exactly what you might imagine. Now, wasn't the, uh, the sort of, um, uh, you know, pier and beams and things like this that you might, uh, I, I, it, was, it was all just this whitewashed stuff. But then there was a pub uh, called the Devil's Stone, and in the book I talk quite a bit about why it has that name, which is a fascinating thing. One of the things I did when I was writing that book, actually, was um, talk to people in places like this. I would go in the pub and sit and have a beer and talk with these people and find out, you know, what are the ghost stories, what are the fables and the legends and the and the interesting tales about the about this town, and the Devil's Stone Inn is named for the the legend of that town. Um, but anyway, long story short, I did actually walk then into the graveyard by the church. And I remember one thing really struck me was that the church didn't have a pointed steeple. Uh, as an American, that was just my automatic kind of mental image of when I thought of a, of a church, a small country church. It would look like what we might think of as a New England church or something like that. Obviously, <laughs> when I got there, it didn't look like an American church. It looked like a, a, a Norman style. With, I believe that's what it's called, with a kind of squared off square uh, tower uh, part of it. Um, and uh, But it was absolutely beautiful. And uh, there is a page for the uh, podcast for this episode. It will be a page for it on the Lexicon. And I'll put a picture in there so you can see what I'm talking about. And and here's where I get to the whole connection with Abbott. When I walked into this graveyard, the first thing I thought of was, 
I gotta find the name Abbott because that would kind of be the giveaway that this was really Godric's Hollow that wizards lived around here and I remember thinking that and I, and I saw obviously this is a fairly large graveyard that's been here for hundreds of years and so um, there were a lot of gravestones and I walked up and down and I never did uh, find the name Abbott on there um, however if you've heard me talk you know that I actually found something even more exciting uh, there was actually along the back as I was walking along uh, the very back fence um, all of a sudden I came upon a gravestone that had the name Lily on it and now underneath that was the name James now I gotta tell you and I'm not kidding and, and I know it's just a coincidence I get that but can you th imagine how amazing that was to stand there in this graveyard in North Devon in this little town uh, by this old church and discover a gravestone that actually had those two names on it it's amazing there just to stand there in a place like this it's just the magic of that moment was uh, it's it's hard to even hard to even convey just how amazing that was and what happened as I was researching that book in search of Harry Potter I discovered this more and more I, I yeah I, I know that probably JK Rowling never went out to Shebir and decided yep this is gonna be my model for Godric's Hollow I'm sure that's not true but it is amazing how close I found that I could come and how much magic there was in that trip and um, wonderful wonderful experience to be able to to take those trips and to visit those places and to write that book and I think uh, one of the things I want for this podcast is I want the opportunity to kind of share some of the things that are in that book and I can't uh, obviously I'm not gonna read the book to you so I'll just tell you little bits and pieces and try to tell about things where I can but uh, Oh, what what an amazing experience and I guess in a way I feel like I I had got to do that um, for all of us fans I mean most of us will never get that opportunity and that I've chance that I had to do it I think um, I kind of is uh, I kind of did it for all of us uh, one other quick note uh, before I leave the letter a in the lexicon book uh, a note under Hannah Abbott of course who is a uh, one of the uh, students in uh, in Harry's year um, down at the bottom, it says, uh, in in parentheses, in the references, it says, see also, and then it says, O-B-T slash C-H. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, we all agreed upon when we uh, kind of made this new version of the book uh, and kind of worked to, uh, to make sure that uh, it was going to be what everyone would be uh, happy with, one of the agreements was that the things that were revealed after Book 7 uh, in the uh, various uh, chats and things uh, that I wouldn't list those in there kind of leave those as uh, spoilers and surprises uh, not as spoilers but as surprises for for uh, fans and so um, I did not put in the entry for Hannah Abbott or in a lot of other entries similar things I did not put the fact that Hannah Abbott marries Neville Longbottom and um, actually becomes the proprietor of the Leaky Cauldron um, but I did put see also OBT slash CH and what that anytime it says see also that means there's some important additional information which I'm not including but if you would like to find out a little bit more and something which I think is pretty important then you'll want to check out that particular reference and that particular reference and, and all of these are given of course in the front of the book and on the website too where we list these things 
um, OBT slash CH means Open Book Tour Carnegie Hall, which happened on the 19th of October in 2007. And so um, if you go through, if you happen to get a copy of the Lexicon book at any point and uh, are looking through there and thinking, huh, why does it have this C also on there? That would be why. So that if you want to uh, find out a little bit more, some of these things which are, are uh, like the, the details that we learned later, that would be where you would look. Um, that's about all I'm going to talk about there from the letter A. I, I actually had an entire list, but my goodness, it's already 20 minutes into this podcast. And uh, clearly, I'm not going to run out of things to talk about. Um, one other thing, I said I was going to talk about book one. And the reason I, I, I said that is because as I was doing a few notes, because even now when I read uh, the Harry Potter books, I'm still taking notes and writing things down. And one thing that I noticed, and I always notice something new, and it struck me that in book one, and and I'll have to start paying more attention in the other books and see if this is true there as well, but in book one, it's written in such a way as to to give us, have us make assumptions, which are not actually true. Um, in some cases, uh, or maybe most cases, it's not particularly important. But still, again, this it all goes back to what's often called the missing 24 hours. Um, we know that in the beginning, in the in the first chapter, and Rowling said she's rewrote it, rewritten it about she rewrote it about 13 times, trying to get it just right, just trying to reveal just the right information. But in the process, uh, clearly there's about 24 hours missing in the story. But first read through, I know when I first read it, it never occurred to me that there was anything other than Hagrid rescued baby Harry from the ruins of the house and flew directly to Godric's, uh, to, to, uh, to Little Whinging, and, and that was what happened. But obviously that isn't what happened, because if you read a little closer and think about it, the attack in Godric's Hollow happened the night before, which means Hagrid had to be somewhere for about 24 hours before he turned up in, uh, in Surrey the next night. So, and that's something we can talk about too. I, I, I have some theories on that, some ideas of where he was and what happened. Rowling herself has said that she hadn't quite worked that all out, so I don't think that there is some sort of hidden story here that we that we don't know. And, and honestly, whenever we're looking at these kinds of things in Harry Potter, we kind of look at them in two ways. One of them is you, you, we have to be outside the story and think about the fact that Rowling herself uh, wasn't always, didn't always have everything worked out. Um, she wrote her story to tell her story. She didn't write her story to be nitpicked, maybe the, <laughs> to quite the extent that, that fans have nitpicked ever since. Um, she told it the way she wanted it to be told. So uh, one of the things that struck me in the first chapter was that there's an awful lot of witches and wizards hanging around Little Whinging. And this is definitely, if you remember, uh, Mrs. Fig is, uh, there are, has, has said that there are no other witches and wizards living around there, so what were they all doing in Little Whinging? Well, you can look at it from outside the story and say, well, because Rowling was telling a story and she didn't actually have all that worked out yet, but also she wanted to have the, 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 the Uncle Vernon running into these strange people on the street. And she didn't think it through and say, okay, where would they, where would they have come from? Why would they be there? Who were they? That was never her point. Her point was just that she wanted that, that kind of progression of his being concerned and worried that that was important. But it's, it is fun also to kind of step into the story and say, okay, we got that. But 
what would be the the excuse what would be the what reason could we come up with within the story for that to happen and one is that perhaps these were all order of the phoenix uh uh, people who were hanging around because they knew that dumbledore was going to bring harry to uh to to um little whinging but you know that falls apart pretty quickly if you think that because nobody seemed to know uh, anything about this. It seemed to be a complete secret and only Hagrid knew and Dumb- I mean McGonagall didn't even know. I mean for goodness sake she spent the entire day sitting in a little whinging uh, just just not knowing what was going to happen. So exactly why all those people were there you know the outside the story answer answers the question very nicely but we're still stuck with a little bit of a mystery on the inside of the story. Now you might say, okay, well, okay, missing 24 hours, that's fine. What about, what other assumptions? Well, here's another one. Where was the Philosopher's Stone the whole time? I mean, it wasn't in the mirror, or was it in the mirror? But the mirror was up in, on the third floor in that uh, unused classroom. So was it really, was the stone actually in that mirror uh, on December 27, when Harry first discovered it? Uh, was was the stone there and just in some disused classroom up on the third floor when they built all these elaborate you know almost like a big sign saying you know important thing hidden here you know so could you make it any more obvious i mean that's what i would do if i had to hide something i'd stick it in an old paint can in the garage but uh you know and then put a big sign by the safe saying do not open you know all the money's in here that kind of thing but where was it Dumbledore walk around with it in his pocket? I mean, did he have it in the mirror already upstairs? Uh, It wasn't until about three days after Harry discovered the mirror that Dumbledore said the mirror's been moved. You know, I asked you not to go looking for it. So, um, which is ironic considering the fact that he ended up going looking for it. Which, of course, brings up the whole question of was Dumbledore orchestrating events through the the entire book? You know, setting him up to eventually go down and look for the stone. And the other one, the big one, uh, which uh, Rowling has kind of answered a little bit, is um, Quirrell's history. And I'm not talking about the fact that he shakes hand with with Harry in the Leaky Cauldron in the book. Um, people have seen that as a problem or as a mistake, but in the book he doesn't have the turban on his head yet at that point. And here's the deal. Hagrid says that uh, ever since he came back from his... Um, from his trip over uh, abroad, the one where he uh, kind of supposedly met vampires or whatever, that he's been afraid of his students and afraid of his subject and all this kind of thing. Okay, that trip abroad was when he met Voldemort, right? So he met Voldemort. So Voldemort has been there with in Britain for a year because Quirrell didn't just get back from that trip. Otherwise, how would Hagrid have said, yeah, he's afraid of his own students, and he, he wouldn't have had any students. And remember, he's, he was not the, the, um, the, uh, the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor the year before, because remember, there hasn't been one for more than a year in a row, so he had to have been a different, in fact, uh, Rowling has said he was a Muggle Studies professor, so it doesn't make sense. He would have come back at least the summer before. So he would have been an entire year in Britain teaching Muggle studies, and Voldemort would have been there too. So it's very interesting. It's it's kind of uh, you know when you think of it that way, you think, huh. Uh, so then, what were what where was Voldemort that whole time? And and so as we think about that, it's just fun. The, the idea being that there are a lot of things in that first book which which are mysteries, which we still wonder about and try to work out. And again, you can step outside the book and say, well. 
she hadn't written the thing about nobody keeps the job more than a year at that point, so she didn't think of it that way. But uh, inside the story, it's kind of fun to try to figure out ways to answer that. Well, uh, we're bumping up toward half an hour already, and it's time for me to to uh, wrap this up. Obviously, I have plenty more to talk about, but uh, just before we go, um, once again, uh, this is the Harry Potter Lexicon podcast, which is connected to the Harry Potter Lexicon website. So if you have not been to the Lexicon, by all means, head on over there, www.hp-lexicon.org. Um, if you want to uh, keep up on things and things that are going on, th- things about this podcast and other things about Harry Potter, um, opportunities perhaps to, to hear one of my talks. I've got one coming up in Texas uh, in Grapevine uh, on, in July. Um, you can uh, give me an email at steve.lexicon at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at lexicon underscore Steve. And there's also a Facebook fan page that you can go to. Um, take a look for that, too. I'll put a link on the uh, uh, show notes for this particular, uh, for the podcast. As a matter of fact, I think they're already on there. Uh, once again, thanks so much for the use of the music from Harry, po- Harry and the Potters. We're going to use that to um, uh, apparate us out of here in just a moment. And thanks for listening. And I'm looking forward to getting into this a little bit more in the next uh, episode. I'll work on that toward the end of this week. And by that time, we'll all know what Pottermore is.